Hi guys and welcome back to episode 60 of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. This week we're speaking to James Gibson, founder and CEO at Ortana Media Group. Since its inception in 2012, Ortana has grown from strength to strength, having recently gained strategic investment from the I You Know SDI Group. James fills us in on exciting new developments within the Cubix orchestration platform and so much more. Hope you enjoy. Hi, James, and welcome to the In The Hub podcast. How how are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm pretty good, sir. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Thank you, James. And uh, again, thank you for coming on to the podcast today and taking the time out. My pleasure. uh, So that we can hear a little bit about your story um, and a bit more about Ortana Media Group as well. Um, So... James, just before we do uh, talk a little bit about some of the projects that you've got going on at the moment and things like that, uh, could you just kind of walk us through your journey into the media industry and, and kind of what inspired you to, to start Ortana? So, yeah, so I got into uh, broadcasting back in uh, 2000. Uh, I first started working for a company called uh, Omnibus, which uh, those of you from the industry will probably know quite well. Um, and really, they were the, the precursor to, to Playbox, you know, sort of 15, 20 years ago. They were the... Um, original player automation when it was you know, very disparate bits of kit, you know, steam powered, uh, lots of cables. And it was a great uh, sort of real opening in the industry for me because it's uh, based in Loughborough. Uh, so in the sort of real Midlands of the UK, uh, we were working at an old Victorian house, um, but actually it was a global business with you know clients literally in every uh, far from part of the world. So we would be getting on planes every day, heading off to Kuala Lumpur and Australasia and sort of US and everywhere, and you know meeting a, a real diverse um, range of people. And it was a real great um, eye opener for me into just how exciting this industry is. Um, you know, it is obviously media is eternal and it's global, um, but just there's some really great people and, and you know people who I met day one <clears throat> still working with today I mean that's the nice thing that I have colleagues who you know were my boss and my boss's boss sort of 20 years ago um, so yeah so that's really where I started and I worked through the ranks there um, I moved on down into uh, Redby Media so I'm very much looking after clients like BBC, UK TV, Virgin, Channel 4, uh, donned the suit you know went upstairs and kind of became quite important um, and decided that really really was a bit boring for me because you know being an engineer at heart, I'd uh, like to make a difference and really wasn't feeling I was making a difference. So I uh, ended up starting uh, a company called Refined Broadcast, working with guys now called Visual Data, so a chap called Simon Rue. And uh, he was a great supporter of um, sort of starting the business there and a, and a believer really of um, cloud playout. So again, you know, very much a precursor of, of Playbox, but this is again at a time when uttering those words, you sort of left out of the room. You know, it was really ahead of its time. And, uh, and there really, I, I got my first exposure to um, post-post. So the kind of bit before playout, you know, the, the, the edit's done. Uh, we need to get it to the playout center and there's compliance, localization, distribution, all those challenges there. And um, guys running around with, with hard drives and, and paper printed job sheets and kind of in my world of player had been very, very efficient, you know, one operator sort of 40 or 50 channels, like the Uber of efficiency. And, and here we are in this kind of really haphazard, you know, uh, ham as we used to call it, human asset management um, running around. And I kind of took it as the exception, you know, nothing against uh, Refine at the time, but I kind of assumed that was just, that was an odd way of running. Very quickly though, I learned that was, you know, that was the way it was done. Um, and so really there was the challenge. How does one take um, orchestration and automation and the things that kind of I grew up on and um, just uber level of efficiency, um, but for something which is once built, 
does the same thing for you know five six seven years and apply it to a space where every day was a new challenge every project was different and very malleable and, and changeable um and and you know out of that was born Mortana. yeah oh 100 it's quite a journey you've been on james uh, obviously up to this point um and so many different kind of experiences and customers that you must have worked with um so uh, just for, for people who might not already know, uh, if you could kind of sum it up and, uh, and sum it up quite briefly, what is it that you guys do at Ortana? So Ortana, we are a, a software development house which focuses on a platform called Cubix. Um, Cubix sits in the category of MAM. It's a, it's a word we kind of hate because it's so broken, means so many things to so many people. Um, we really talk about media orchestration. Um, so we manage assets, but very much in a workflow perspective. So we're, you know, we're always working with a whole range of different clients um, with a real focus on, yeah, uh, media orchestration through workplace. Yeah. So I, I obviously imagine that a lot of, of what you guys deal with are things like obviously live event workflows and things like that. Uh, and obviously with live events coming back in a, a huge, huge way at the moment. Definitely. I mean, it's the nice thing about our system is it's so malleable and working with great partners like Playbox. And I mean, we have over 65 uh, integrations under the hood and counting, um, is that we work across so many different workflows. So yeah, as you can imagine now, kind of coming back out of COVID, we're seeing a real uh, sort of juxtaposition between new workflows coming in that were never considered before COVID because it was, you know, it's the new way of working, that sort of slightly horrible coin phrase, um, but also that, you know, real adoption of, of yeah, remote technology, edge encoding, all the, all the kind of good stuff that we've, we've known about for years that people have now really genuinely adopted. Um, so yeah, a lot of live event workflows and the kind of post archive and distribution therein. Yeah, yeah. So if we kind of jump off that, the, the, the whole idea of live event workflows uh, and just kind of how popular they are at the moment, um, how kind of, uh, what's the kind of unique selling point of Cubix as opposed to obviously some competitors that offer similar kind of solutions? We've always been product um, if you look at a lot of our competitors, um, whilst they are very strong in certain areas, it, it's really that they focus on a, a speciality. And that's because of the, the, the lineage of the product. With a lot of our competitors, um, if you trace the, the roots back, you'll find it'll go back to an original project, um, which in turn means it's quite um, specific for a use case. Um, since day one, kind of going into this eyes wide open, I've been very clear that we are uh, very generic. It's, it's a product development stack. And so we have uh, 16 different use cases, which we uh, actively support, support, have deployed. Um, these are not, you know, hypothetical. These are genuine real world solutions that we've done. Um, and it's really a kind of a pick and mix. We always kind of talk about the Lego brick type approach. You know, you, you choose your Lego bricks and what all you'd like them and off you go. So I think the key thing for us is we have clients who, well, we have non-media clients. We have clients who do physical asset management with Cubix. Uh, we have everything from, you know, archive to say live playout, distribution, post-reduction, all using the same software stack. And I think the, the breadth and depth of the client base we have really shows you know, the malleability of the product. And, and that really is the key USP. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. That's brilliant stuff. Um, so obviously we talked about MAMS and, and how some people can obviously, uh, the definition shifts, doesn't it? Uh, put simply, it's it means different things to different people, different industries. Um, I think the the whole kind of concept of orchestration as well is something that sometimes gets confused, uh, and the yeah. meaning slightly shifts between between different kind of workflows and use cases. Uh, could you kind of explain your perspective on on the whole concept of orchestration and 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 the benefits that can have for for a broadcaster's workflow? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the first things that people, I mean, obviously, orchestration is workflow. 
Um, but one of the big things that people do is there's two real mistakes um, that either vendors will make or clients as well initially going into it. The first one is you know, we distinctly differentiate between automation versus orchestration. And in an space, automation could be a player engine, but it also could be the driving of a device, whether that be a you know, Sigma Media Shuttle or Baton, QC, or you know, whatever that vendor's device may be. Um, and we separate, we abstract our orchestration because the orchestration is the, is the business rules. And orchestration is really that capturing of business intelligence in, a, in an intelligent workflow layer that can then you know, drive your processes for you. And the obvious win which people focus on is, is, well, I can do this with less people, which is very true. What often gets overlooked is just the sheer benefits of, of transparency. Um, so many organizations we work with live on Google Docs, um, which require manual people to update them, which obviously then leads to a dependency, which could be a latent information or, or you know, inaccuracy, all, all this kind of challenges of using you know, human-based feedback. So. You know, one of the biggest things we find with clients is is just the transparency that having orchestration can give. And because if, you know, as we've already said, our product is very malleable, in a broadcaster's workflow, you know, we're not just talking about you know, the last mile to play out. We're talking about all of those steps around compliance, localization, you know, QC, the, the creative steps to get that asset really right from the, you know, the, the post-production desk all the way through to the actual edge player device. And then of course the onward VOD and, and everything else. So having that transparency when you're in a very real-time workflow as player can be. And as we've touched on, you know, Playbox now can be used for so many different use cases, especially, you know, kind of during and post-COVID. You know, some people they have they need to have that flexibility. You know, play out isn't like what I grew up on 20 years ago, you know, where it was a big playout center and then you know it's a very static process. You know, we have mobile journalism now as a mainstay. Uh, possibility and, and so many other different workflows that we have to support. Um, so orchestration is around um, you know, being able to glue all that together and drive it, but also having that agility to to rebuild workflows. Um, you know, again, systems have to adapt over time. You know, businesses and static. Yeah. So yeah, just launching off that, James. So it's it's very much uh, a Cubics orchestration in particular. Is it very much a, a solution that can apply to existing workflows as as well as you know future projects and things like that? Huge. I mean, most of our business is coming into clients who you know have workflow headaches. They've got existing pain points in a workflow, whether that be a, a gap between two vendors where you know the two systems were bought, they don't quite work as well together as expected, or whether it just be that they're a you know they're a manual process and that their, their workflow or business has scaled and now they're struggling to to handle that. And so we're very good at those kind of business transformation projects where we take an existing legacy workflow you know, and migrate it a step at a time into uh, the Cubix platform. Um, or then obviously you know, the Greenfield scenario, which is always a pleasure, but certainly the rarer case where we're coming into you know, to future workflows. And I think the key thing with us is the, the flexibility we have in our stack, both technically, but also commercially, um, you know, really gives you that, that range to play with. Yeah. Oh no, hundred percent. It sounds absolutely brilliant. And and one thing I'm kind of curious about. One thing I wondered was uh, that, that obviously you've got maybe a linear channel, uh, a broadcaster, obviously coming coming to you guys, inquiring with you guys. How kind of far up up that kind of content supply chain can can the orchestration benefit them? Really, from uh, say from camera. I mean, it genuinely is. We we have clients who, <clears throat> excuse me, who work within the post production space and use Cubix exclusively for editorial ingest workflows. So this is taking content from camera 
into Media Composer and DaVinci and Premiere and so forth. We then have workflows which span the you know, relevant review and approval process from there. Um, the localization requirements, as you may know, recently we you know, recently had a, a strategic investment by UniSDI, um, you know, literally the world's largest localization company. And the reason for that is because they've seen the, the power and capability of our technology to leverage uh, localization workflows. Um, you then get down to the more kind of you know edge playout, so we're getting the assets into the at local edge area and actually then the transcoding you know, for, for VOD and the you know, post EPG information and really it is that whole piece and, and people often think about play out as a as a separate workflow which needs to tag on the end and, and our approach is really to say well look with the orchestration you can have that transparency throughout the entire supply chain and, and really play out is just another one of those other outputs you know in, like I say 15 years ago 10 years ago <clears throat> you know, probably still true today for certain player broadcast providers, linear was where the money was made. Linear was the, you know, was the premium output. Now with the shift to, you know, we'll see VOD and, and, and online distribution, um, you know, I think it, it it sort of shifts a bit now where it, it isn't quite necessarily the, the primary output as it was. It's more akin to the rest. And so, again, this adoption over time as technologies allow you those workflows to to change. Um, but yeah, really right from camera all the way through to, to play on archive is, is how we can orchestrate this supply chain. So given the kind of wide range in use cases uh, that we find with these solutions, what what do you perceive to be the limitations? Yeah, it's an interesting question because obviously a lot of what I've said today is well, we can do anything and we can do everything. And obviously, you know, any product has its, uh, has its limits. Our approach really is one of, well, um, you know, focus on integration. Uh, we have, like I say, over 65 integrations and counting. Uh, Playbox is obviously uh, one of those. We have full-time development resource as well as account management resource to maintain those relationships because it's more than just technology. It's you know, understanding each other's roadmaps and where you're going. And, and really then being able to go to a client and say, well, you know, you don't, not saying that you have to use these vendors, rather, which vendors do you want to use? And, and often we're asked to make recommendations, obviously through our experience, but we always strive to be agnostic in supporting you know, best of breed in, in all cases. And because our workflow logic is entirely abstracted from that underlying infrastructure, that integration there, it, it becomes a very creative process. I, I, you know, I've always seen myself as a bit of a, you know, an engineer. Um, not very uh, creative, but when you look at the design process that goes into building these workflows, because the product gives you that you know, openness and ability to build it as you wish, um, you know, it really is very open. And so the, the limitations really become down to the integrations that we support, which is an ongoing process, um, but also then your, your creativity and how you want to um, build the workflows. And, and like I say, we have clients who, um, you know, we have a client who's an ISP. Um, they do a pick, pack and ship process and we're not shipping through Signium, we're shipping through DHL. Um, and that's using the exact same technology as a client would use, you know, delivering media to a play box. So uh, as you can see, very wide ranging, obviously it has limits, but we, we try and make sure those limits are far out on the extremity and, and allowing our clients to play well within them. When we're talking about orchestration, James, and well, when we're talking about most things in broadcasting, a lot of broadcasters have almost come to expect uh, hefty price tags and, and you know, even with the move over to SaaS, you know, uh, it's still wildly out there, price tags and things like that. So uh, what is your kind of approach to, to orchestration in that sense and, and, and the pricing structures and models? What would you tell broadcasters in relation to that? Yeah, I mean, we, we come from a world where um, it is like the, the kind of the Rolls-Royce space often the asset management. They, these are multi-million pound investment systems that as a result have to have a five, 10 year life cycle. And, and that creates an issue because how do you future-proof when 
you know, if you imagine 10 years ago, there wasn't a cloud storage, Amazon was its infancy from a, as a cloud provider. You know, it's really difficult even now, <clears throat> the speed of change we get to, to predict that far ahead. So, you know, my, my recommendation is always look for a system where, um, you know, subscription model is an interesting way to go because it can, it can help offset. But, but look at somebody who offers it in different ways. I, I genuinely think we're the only asset management provider that I've seen offering not only pure cloud solutions, which are really cost effective, you know, kind of down at the 149 pounds a month mark, um, all the way up to a full on-prem, you know, if you will, the Rolls Royce and things like appliances. You know, one of the great things we have is if you need to leverage the capability of orchestration, um, but around a really confined use case, such as say uh, editorial ingest or, or transcoding, we license Cubics, uh, you know, really down on that kind of smaller scale basis. So um, again, there's no point having a product which is really flexible and then making it prohibitive to access through, you know, the licensing structure. So. Um, yeah, look look for things that can grow with you because requirements change. You're not going to meet three years ago. Who could predict COVID? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know those who chose well beforehand reap the benefits, and those who didn't, well, yeah. You know, we all know what's going to happen. Some businesses. So um, that would be my key advice there. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's almost nice to see uh, a lot more kind of companies taking this uh, one size doesn't fit all approach. Um, and I don't know whether personally I've been seeing it more out of COVID where. Uh, companies are obviously more keen on offering these kind of tailored packages that, that you know you realize you can't just give everyone the same price uh some yep. some broadcasters obviously using a lot more aspects of it than others um and yeah it's very much a kind of tailored tailored kind of offering isn't it and i, I think that's the way to go i think that's the way forwards yep um so james thanks so much for coming on and, and speaking with me today i feel like i've i've, I've learned some of that wisdom that you've imparted on me there um, no are there kind of any exciting plans in the pipeline for you or Otana that you can talk to us about today, or is it all kind of under wraps at the moment? No, not at all. I mean, it's uh, yeah. So very recently, um, last few weeks, we managed to secure uh, a partnership that we've been working on for a few years now with uh, IUNO SDI. Um, so they've made a uh, you know, pretty sizable investment into Otana. Uh, they're now obviously a backer of ours, um, both not only from a financial perspective, but also uh, you know as a key partner to to help grow the business. So um, we've been going for sort of eight years now, and I've got a real proven. Uh, market fit with our product um, but you know we've always wanted to grow the business quicker than we could uh, organically though we've you know, we have been growing over the last few years um, so yeah we are um, literally doubling the size of our team at the moment um, based across commercial but also uh, technical development and obviously that really enables us to uh, go off and attack a, a lot of many things that we've had on the on the books for a while now you know so um, yeah we'll be heading out to IBC this year Fred will come see us you know we will be there in uh, exhibiting in Hall one and um, yeah a lot Lot of exciting things to be announced uh, kind of as we get into q1 next year as a result of the uh, of the investment obviously huge congratulations to you guys for that investment um and it's, it's nice to hear that you're obviously going back to trade shows as well uh, and hitting up ibc this year well i think it's overdue i mean we you know it's quite nice to go and meet people one of the things we really learned during lockdown is you can work remote effectively you can use these online tools effectively but you know we've really learned especially when you're doing real deep dive with clients how much of the, the technical information and, and just transferring of information you and I say talking online here and it's you know it doesn't it's very difficult sometimes to convey with well, so much easier in a room so yeah we um we've really started to travel now where we can where it's been safe to do so and uh, yeah we're looking forward to meeting uh, both partners and colleagues and future future clients at a, at a trade show and, and you know doing that whole great thing we've done taken for granted for for so many years yep 
Brilliant stuff, James. So uh, how can people reach out to you or, or Otana Media Group if they've got any inquiries or questions about what you do? Yep. So if you go to our website at otana.tv, um, that'll talk you through our, our different offerings, say across Cubics, uh, Kiosk and Spot and Spin, which are the real kind of key areas that we focus on. Uh, if you want to drop us an email, you can get us at hello at otana.tv. Obviously, we're available on the uh, on the social media channels. And I say, we'll be there in person at IBC and Hall 1. Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you very much again, James. Really do appreciate it. No, thank you. No, appreciate it. All the best. Take care, sir. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.